Welcome back to another episode of the Stokey On Podcast. I am your host, Tommy Stokey, Chris Schubert here as well. And I want to start things off today talking about the Seattle Mariners. I know that sounds a little weird because why do we want to talk about the Mariners? News came down today, Felix Hernandez out three to four weeks. David Phelps, three, two to three weeks. I think that's right. I'll check for you. Anyway, another injury. And yet the Mariners, they sit here a game back in the wild card, and I think that if they make the playoffs, they can be a dangerous team. But I kind of feel for Jerry Depoto because I don't think he was given much to work with, and I know that a lot of people kind of crush him because he makes a move every day. Some have worked out, some haven't. I don't know that he was given much of anything to build with anyway. I mean, you looked at the farm system that he had. There wasn't a ton there. You can look at the the Gohara trade to get Drew Smiley, that didn't work out because Smiley hadn't pitched this year because he got hurt in the WBC. And Gohara has had, had a really good season with Atlanta. Um, Gohara traded for Malik Smith. Malik Smith then flipped for Drew Smiley. And it just, you look at the Mariners and almost everything that Topoto's done hasn't worked out for them this year. I mean, Mitch Hanniger. He had one of the best Aprils out of anybody this year. He gets hurt. He's hurt again. You look at the DL right now, Felix, uh, Iwakuma, Drew Smiley. If, if you just have those three bodies in your rotation, I think that's one of the biggest things that the Mariners are struggling with right now is just having healthy arms to pitch. And if you just have those three guys, they don't even have to be top tier. You don't need Felix to be King Felix. You don't need Iwakuma to have a three-something ERA. Smiley, just throw 150, 175 innings. If you would have just had an average rotation, I think this team looks a lot different. Um, I still think that they can make the playoffs. I, I still like them. If they can survive, I don't know how they can necessarily. Um, it's find somebody else to fill in the spot, kind of like they've done all year. But they went and added Yonder Alonso. That should help. Um, if when they get Hanniger back, I know he just gets, got hit in the face by a baseball. Um, when he comes back, he should help. Gene Segura has been really good. I was going to mention him. Um, James Paxton is fair to call him an ace now. And so if you get to the playoffs and you can go Paxton game one and Felix game two, I think you have a chance with that offense. The bullpen's been pretty good. The back end, Nick Vincent, Tony Zich, um, if I said that right, you're the pronunciation. Oh, I'm sorry, guy. what did you say? Edwin Jackson's been really good, no, too. No, 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 hold on. What did you say? Tony Zitch. Tony, Tony Zitch? Okay. Sykes. I'm going to fact check you. I'm just making sure. Still getting, still learning about some of these things. Yeah, you're working on it. It's a work in progress. But they're getting back in the AL wild, wild card. Robinson Cano, Nelson Cruz. I just think that Kyle Seeger, that lineup is good enough. You have the pieces there. It just is unfortunate that. DePoto's kind of done everything that he can, and it just hasn't worked out. So you're putting no blame on DePoto is what I'm getting at. I'm not saying I disagree with you, just asking. No, not really. I mean, I don't know what he necessarily could have done differently. I know last year, okay, so you look at the, the Mike Montgomery for Dan Vogelbach trades. That hasn't worked out. Um, 
but at the time, I guess you traded a, a reliever for a guy that you thought could hit 30 home runs playing first base or hit DH. So Tony, it appears as though it is Tony Zitch. I don't see any alternative pronunciations here, but I could be wrong. Cool. Uh, I have a question for you. Cool. Do you look at the American League wildcard race as I do? Because I see the Yankees, and we, we kind of thought that they were a really good team, and they're playing really well, but they're only eight games above 500, and or seven games above 500, if you come from that school of thought. And I look at the teams directly behind the Yankees. What do you, what do you give me that side eye for? I don't understand your math. The Yankees are 59 and 51, right? Yeah. So 500, they would be. Oh, they'd be eight games above 500. Okay, that's fine. I just I looked at it and I thought it was different. The Kansas City Royals and the Tampa Bay Rays are directly behind them. And to, to tie this into the Mariners real quick, none of those teams in front of them, including the Yankees, I, I get the sense are going to run away with the American League wild card. So I, I think if they're able to kind of tread water here in Seattle, they get everybody healthy. David Phelps is going to miss them in two to three weeks, they think. You get him back, you get Felix back. You, you just added Yonder Alonso to your lineup. You have Gene Segura. That trade's a home run for both sides, the Diamondbacks and the, the Mariners. I think that was a home run trade for both sides. They just signed Segura to an extension a couple months ago. I think they have a chance because I don't know. I, I, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, the Yankees, I don't know if there's a team that's going to run away with the American League wildcard. Well, they have. They can kind of control their fate here. And the thing with DePoto that is with his limited resources, he was still out there trying. I mean, the Gallardo trade, you trade Seth Smith for a guy that you hope can give you 150 innings. That hasn't worked out, although Gallardo has been better in the last month. Um, that one doesn't look very good. So he's had his misses, but the point is he had to do something, and he had didn't have a lot to work with. David Phelps, getting David Phelps, and he goes down right away. I mean, it's just a lot of bad luck. But you look at their next three to four weeks with Felix being out. They have two games against the Athletics. They have four against the Angels at home. Those should, You should win at least split, if not three out of four there. You have three against Baltimore at home. Then you go on the road to Tampa Bay, who's ahead of you, on the road to Atlanta, who you should beat, on the road to New York, and on the road to Baltimore. Holy crap, that's a long road trip. So opportunities are aplenty for the... Seattle Mariners, as you count up the number of games in those series. I think it's, it's a 12-game road trip. Yeah. Is it really a 12-game road trip this late in the season? That's extensive. But right. opportunities are plenty, right? I mean, they're going to they're gonna get their chance. Right. It's just unfortunate that they're going to get their chance and not be full strength. And I guess every team can complain about that, but I feel right. like not every team is in the same situation as Seattle. Another thing, and you've, you've, you've touched on this, but the Seattle farm system is not uh, the White Sox or the Braves. They're, they don't have prospects aplenty to be dishing out for players if they wanted to make additions. They have to do the bargain shopping. They have to, I think I'll quote Scott Boris here, shop in the frozen section and, and try to get guys that way. They're not shopping in the fresh section where maybe the Yankees, the Dodgers, uh, the White Sox, the Braves are shopping with their prospect systems where they're able to maybe empty the farm for a big-time player. They don't have that yet. Jerry DePoto is still developing that and trying to get them into a situation where they have those prospects down the road. So they're not really in a situation to be able to be major buyers anyway. So I like what he did. He kind of just did what he needed to do, what he thought was in the best interest of the team. And guess what? Isn't this what you do, Tommy? You get your team to a point where they're within striking distance of the wild card? It's a crapshoot. You just get yourself close. Right. Get in and... Give yourself a and, chance. And even if you if the season ends and the Mariners finish two games out of the wild card, well, guess what? They were competitive because of the wild card. 
So you look at that roster, you say, all right, how can I fix this? Can I use money? Can I trade some guys? You make those moves that you think you can make. So the wild card for some of these middle road teams is an achievable thing now. And for the Mariners, I think they find themselves in that spot right now where I think they can be good if certain things pan out and health is a major part of it. But right now, despite all those health issues, they're still in the thick of a playoff race in the the American League. Yeah, I don't think they're in it for moral victories. They're in a specific window. And that's another reason why DePoto had to do a lot of what he did because you have two years, maybe three, maybe, to – make something happen and I think he's done done his job to, the best to with what that. he can what, what, with what he has right so we're gonna take a weird pivot here not to video but to the NL Central and bring in Ryan Davis here shortly when we bring him in we're gonna talk NL Central we're gonna talk Cubs Brewers Cardinals uh, it's the only interesting division race left in at mm-hmm. least the National League um, probably both leagues and I think it's interesting to look at the championship windows because you have the Cubs who you who are in a championship window now. Where are the Cardinals at? Where are the Brewers at? Where are the Pirates at? And how far away are the Reds? I think it's an interesting topic. Ryan covers the Cubs for us. Um, he's right there in the, the thick of it. The thick of the NL Central. So we'll go ahead and bring him in. Ryan, how are you doing today? Oh, can't complain. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, I want to start with... Give me your – can you power rank your confidence in the Cubs relievers at this point in time today? Uh, well, I would say that I do feel pretty good about some of them. Uh, I think Carl Edwards Jr.'s uh, stuff is mechanical, so let's figure that out. Uh, my, the part where I'm not as confident is I know Joe Madden has said that he's really confident in him um, I feel like maybe he's going to keep running him out in high-leverage situations, but I think it would be a huge mistake. They do have guys they could use in the eighth inning to bridge that gap to Wade Davis in the ninth. Hector Ronzone's been very good lately. Pedro Strope's been very good lately. They just acquired Justin Wilson from the Detroit Tigers. So they have guys who can pitch that eighth inning, and even left-hander Brian Dunsing has been a lot better than people think. Uh, or may have realized this season. So they have those guys. It's just whether Madden's going to do them properly. And on the other side of it is Wade Davis has been a lot more shaky in the second half. So uh, that, that's where the concern would be, would be uh, Madden properly utilizing the, the guys that he has. And to follow up on that point in particular, I think back to the World Series where things kind of went bad in Game 7 and the bullpen decisions from Joe Madden were... They won, by the way. They did win, I do know that. But if they had lost, that was going to be a major talking point. Is that a lingering sort of concern in the back of your mind with how he is utilizing his bullpen? Uh, Yeah, it kind of is. I mean, everybody knows Joe Madden is one of the top managers in the game. And the reason for that is because... He keeps the players loose. He sets a really good atmosphere in the clubhouse. He has uh, a positive and progressive viewpoint on management style. Uh, that's what makes him such a great manager. If you look at just in-game stuff, um, he's pretty good at setting a lineup, but he's not as good at handling pitching staff. And that's always been his Achilles heel. We saw it last year, like you mentioned, in the World Series. There were some pretty head-scratching moves bringing in Chapman for uh, you know, a bunch of innings in Game Six when they had a nine-to-two lead and throwing him back out there in the ninth, had all kinds of stuff that you know it was rightfully second-guessed at the time. Um, it, it really does make me wonder. You know, the way he's talked about Carl Edwards Jr. and said that it's a confidence issue. It's not that he's tired. 
Um, they think that there's something maybe mechanical where he's pulling his pitches for right-handed batters and throwing them off the plate. He even talked about in the outing after Sunday, uh, Sunday's game, that uh, he thought Edward looked better and had planned to get him right back out there, and then he did, and he gave up a grand slam. So um, my question would be, how does Madden properly handle the bullpen going forward? Does he make better use of Hector Rondon and Pedro Strope and uh, Koji Uihara and all these other guys, or does he continue going to the well and you know eventually get burned with you know Edwards and Davis, who are struggling quite a bit? Is this a situation where they're kind of playing with fire? Because I know that everybody just anticipates the Cubs are going to win this division and the Brewers are, are no threat even though they're only a game, a game and a half back, to where Madden says, look, we know at the end of the day we're winning this division. We know we're not getting anywhere else. We're not going to top the Dodgers, so it doesn't matter. So if we're going to win the division, instead of doing what I did with Rondon, putting him in the sixth inning, low leverage spots until he finds a slider, gets his stuff back, if I keep giving him the confidence to go out there, it'll pay off more in October. Is that too risky to do at this point? Uh, yeah, I would say it is just because the Cubs are, you know, whatever the uh, half came up on the Brewers and only three and a half up on the Cardinals, who have been, you know, pretty mediocre the entire year. Uh, if they had a five or six game lead and they weren't really playing for anything, like you kind of mentioned, not catching the Dodgers, most likely not uh, going to catch the Washington Nationals for home field in the NLDS. Um, you know, if they had that situation, I would say okay, you know, that that's fine. They kind of did things like that last year when they were running away from everyone. And, you know, fans would get upset about certain pitchers pitching in situations, and you'd have to stop and say, look, they're up 17 and a half games, and, you know, they have nothing else to play for until October starts. Let Madden kind of figure this out. So, uh, yeah, if that is what he's doing, that's a pretty big mistake because I don't think you can assume the Brewers are just going to go away. Or the Cardinals at this point depending on uh, how much, how well the Cubs play the rest of the way. As a playoff team in a five- or seven-game series, where do you think the Cubs stack up compared to the Nationals, the Dodgers, and let's just figure in the, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks? I mean, last year it was pretty clear the Cubs were the best team on paper in the regular season, and there was no reason to think that they wouldn't be in the playoffs. I personally... I don't think they're better than the Dodgers in a seven-game series. I don't think they're better than the Nationals in a seven-game series. I think that they certainly can win, and I wouldn't be surprised. Where do you think? What do you think they look like as a playoff team right now versus what they are in the regular season? It's difficult because um, you know, the Dodgers are essentially what the Cubs were last year. Where if you had asked me this question last year, can anybody beat the Cubs? I would have said no, not in the National League. Um, and I would say that about the Dodgers now. I think they're just an absolutely dominant team, and they're doing it still without Kershaw, and we assume that Kershaw will be back healthy for the playoffs. That's a, that's a difficult rotation, that's a difficult lineup, that's a difficult bullpen. Um, but the Cubs have you know, good pitchers who have a track record. You know, do you want to bet against John Lester in the postseason? Uh, do you, you know, think that Jose Quintana is a guy who could go out and throw an amazing game in Game 2 of a playoff series? Uh, Jake Arrieta has been one of the top 10 pitchers in the game if you just look at his ERA over the last 15 starts. So he's obviously pitching at a very high level right now. Uh, do I think that those three guys, and then maybe throw in a healthy Kyle Hendricks as your fourth starter, do I think those guys could get it done in a playoff series against a team like the Mavs? Absolutely. 
Um, in a seven-game series against the Dodgers, that's a bit tougher, but anything can happen, I guess. Uh, the- we've seen uh, Kershaw's playoff history play out the way it has. You wouldn't predict that that would happen again, but that's kind of what always happens to him, right? He always has that one game where he gets blown up. So, uh, yeah, that, that would be my answer on it, is the Dodgers look pretty unbeatable, but anything can happen. Is there anything that this team could do over, say, the next month and a half that would change your mind on that? Is there anything that you think you can gain from looking at this team over the next month and a half that would change your confidence level? Um, if the Cubs went on a huge run uh, the rest of the season, uh, you know, let's say they end up with like 95, 96 wins, kind of like they did in 2015, where they were at about this point in the season, they were maybe only seven or eight games over 500, and then they just sprinted to the finish line, won 97 games. That, I think, could kind of change my opinion, because that would mean the offense is clicking on a more consistent basis. You're getting the kind of production out of Kyle Hendricks, John Muster, uh, Jose Quintana, and John Lackey that you were expecting at this point in the year. Uh, you would think that that would mean the bullpens kind of turn things around. So, yeah, if, if they if they have the potential, all of these guys. I mean, this is mostly a team that just you know, won 103 games last year and won the World Series. So those guys get back to that kind of level and you see that kind of production that you expected from Kyle Schwarber and Addison Russell and all these other guys, then yes, I, I think that, that opinion still could change because if there is one team that has the potential to win the World Series this year, uh, that we're just not talking about them in that way, it's the Cubs. I know this is going to put you on the spot a little bit, so just write it in pencil, don't do it in pen. But what does your Game 1 lineup look like against the Nationals? And Max Scherzer. Oh man! Let's talk this out. <laughs> well, I would say John Jay would be leading off um, because he's been doing it uh, lately, and he's been playing particularly well in the second half. Madden seems to have fallen in love with him there, so John Jay would be your leadoff man. Then the rest of the next few would be uh, pretty easy with Brian at third, uh, Rizzo at first, Contreras, who is. Uh, probably one of the hottest hitters in baseball, catching and batting cleanup. Uh, from there, you've got to have, I would think you would want Jason Hayward and Wright, uh, maybe not batting fifth, but uh, I would have Schwarber on the bench because of the strikeouts against Scherzer. Um, so Jason left and, or center? Yeah, I would say maybe Jason Hayward in center, uh, Zobrist in right, which is difficult because uh, I don't love him in right field. And then Baez and Russell uh, on the infield in some, you know, switch switch them around however you want. So I guess that would be my lineup. And how confident in that are you? Didn't sound confident. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, probably a 5. I mean, Scherzer has been absolutely dominant against everybody. So um, I don't know if there is a, a lineup out there that I would feel absolutely confident uh, putting out there. I mean, it, it wouldn't even feel right leaving Schwarber on the bench just because he hits right-handers well and he has all the power and you want to see him out there on the field. But uh, I just think Scherzer would eat him alive with strikeouts. So, um, yeah, that, that's probably the best lineup the Cubs could put out there against him. You have guys like Zobrist who makes high, better contact, a guy like John Jay who makes better contact. That's what you would want. And Lester or Quintana on the mound? Absolutely Lester, 100%. When you look at when you look at the rest of the division, I want to start getting into the, the, these championship windows. Let's start with the Cubs. Where do they 
how long is this run supposed to be in is I think last year people looked at it and said five to seven years. I don't know if this year necessarily changes that thought because, I mean, they still look like they're going to make the playoffs, and that's all you can really ask for from a team because once you're in, you have a shot, um, even if they're not the World Series favorites that they were last year. So with the questions in the pitching staff, with the minor league system now being in the major leagues, I guess where, how long do you see this, this ride going? Well, I, I would have said last year uh, that they had a three-year window from 2015 to 2017, and then they needed to retool after 2017 in some way uh, with the pitching staff to extend their window. Um, but overall, I do feel it is a five- to seven-year window just because you have all these guys who are locked in through 2020. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head which ones they are, but I want to say five or six of their big players uh, are set to become free agents after 2020 right now. Um, you have a guy like Wilson Contreras who's locked in through 2022. So, I mean, that's a long time for, for a lot of these young players to be with the team uh, and, and already have proven themselves as, you know, all-stars, superstars, whatever you want to say about them. So um, I, I think that the initial window, the three-year, was because the pitching you just don't know after this season. Coming into this year, it was John Lester and Kyle Hendricks and nobody else locked in in the starting rotation for 2018 and beyond. Now you can add Jose Quintana to that list, but you know is Lester, Quintana, and Kyle Hendricks a good enough one, two, three next year? Yeah, I don't know. They, they probably have to go bargain shopping for another pitcher. They probably could make another trade, but they've obviously depleted their minor league system, so they don't have a ton to deal. But, yeah, uh, I would say that, in general, because of those young players and how good Chris Bryant and Nancy Rizzo and, and on and on and on, how good all of these players are, um, they could realistically be a contender every year for the next five years or so. And which team do you think in the division is the biggest threat to them in that window? I would say the Brewers. Um, I've been a really big fan of the way they've done their rebuild. They have a ton of really good talent. Uh, I think they need better pitching in the in the major leagues and I don't know how what their payroll situation is how much flexibility they have to go to try and sign a big you know big arm in the off season uh, but uh, yeah that that would be the team that I look at as you know they're the ones that have put themselves in position they have they have the upward trending arrow as for the Cardinals I don't think their arrow is turning downward necessarily I think it's just kind of a lateral they need to do a little bit of a retool themselves to try and put themselves in a position to be able to compete with the Cubs and the Brewers over the next two years. The Pirates, do you find them as a team that is trending downward that maybe should get rid of some of the assets that they do have? I know Andrew McCutcheon, last offseason, his name came up in a bunch of trade rumors. Do you think that the, the Pirates are a team that's trending downward and need to maybe blow it up completely, start a rebuild? Or do you think there may be a couple of pieces away from the arrow trending upward? Um, I think they are just a couple pieces away from the arrow turning upward, and I would say that because they have so many great young players. Uh, I probably would have dealt McCutcheon for the right deal at the trade deadline this year. Uh, they already have you know, quite a good outfield. They have Josh Bell, who came up and would be getting a Rookie of the Year consideration if it weren't for Cody Bellinger. So, um, yeah, they have a lot of really good young pieces. Uh, Jameson Tyon is really good. I'm I'm still a believer in Tyler Glass now. So I, I think they're just a couple pieces away. Rebuild the bullpen a little bit, get a couple other starting pitchers, 
uh, maybe you deal a guy like Garrett Cole and a guy like Andrew McCutcheon to, to bring back some serious prospects and keep that youth kind of coming in. But um, I, I like the Pirates before the start of the season. I thought they were going to compete for the division. Uh, they're still right there because it's been a weak division, but overall they just haven't been able to get it rolling this year. But, yeah, I, I think that they could be right there if they made a few moves to improve. But as it stands, I don't put them up there with the rest of the division yet. Let's go to Milwaukee. I threw out the idea. The worst idea ever. That they should take on all the salary of Justin Verlander if they can't. Now, I know that Detroit doesn't seem to want to do that, but they should make a play for Verlander. Their payroll entering this year was like $61 million, and I think two or three years ago it was at 100 And so they've shown that they'll spend. They don't have anybody to spend money on in the next two, three years. So I guess what would your move be for the Brewers next year knowing – where you think their window is uh, without sacrificing that window. Because I think if you move a Brinson or a Corey Ray or some of these these and put together a big-time package, I mean, that can deplete your farm system. And if, it, mm-hmm. if you do it for a Sonny Gray, I don't know that that two-year window of Sonny Gray fits. Obviously, this point's moot now. But who, do you, who is out there that, that you get, whether it's a free agent, whether it's a trade, whatever, for that next step for the Brewers? Um, I would think that they would want to target a, a relatively young, cost-controlled starter, which obviously everybody wants. Um, but uh, if there is that guy in the offseason, it might be Chris Archer. And if there is a farm system that could acquire Chris Archer, it's the Brewers. So um, he doesn't come with a ton of cost. He's under control for a few years. That seems to be a good fit for their organization. Uh, so that might be a move that I would go for if I were them. I don't know about bringing in Verlander, man. That's a lot of money for a guy on the back end of his career. But you're not spending it um, anywhere else. That's true. Uh, but I don't know if uh, if it's for next year. I, I just don't know if I'm going for that. So are the Brewers um, are the Brewers good enough at the major league level that they can send four or five of their top young guys for an archer? I don't know if it necessarily costs four or five of their top young guys. And my example for that would be. four and five. Top. Well, yeah. Right, right. Um, uh, but uh, my example would be look what the Cubs gave up to get uh, Jose Quintana. I mean, that's a, a fairly comparable if you look at contract and, and how many years they have, their age, and uh, their performance over the last few years. That's a fairly comparable player. Uh, and they gave up Eli Jimenez, who's one of the top prospects in the game. Um, and then, you know, not a lot else. They give up Dylan Cease, but that's a, a pitching prospect who's far away from the major leagues, and it's debatable whether he's a starter or a reliever. So um, I, I think one really top prospect could bring over a guy like Chris Archer or, you know, failing that, maybe two pretty good uh, prospects could do it as well, or maybe three. But I, I wouldn't think that that trade would necessarily deplete the Brewers' farm system. It would just kind of won't put down in the middle of the pack. So that that would be the kind of guy I would I would look at for that. All right, I'll find somebody else who likes my Verlander idea. Yeah, your Verlander idea is not very good. Um, <laughs> let's go to the Cardinals. I know that you just wrote recently that it's time for them to rebuild. Earlier you used the word retool. I don't know if there's a difference in your mind. But take over the Cardinals. What do you do? Um, yeah, I, I used the word retool earlier because I wanted to be clear. Uh, I've gotten some commentary, mostly constructive, from Cardinals fans. Some of them really agree with the idea of rebuilding, and some of them push up against it and say, 
well, they just need to make these moves and get rid of these players and bring in some younger players. And I say, well, isn't yes. that rebuilding? <laughs> That's rebuilding. So I think maybe they're, they're, they like the word retool a little better. Look, if when, when you say rebuild, a lot of people think what the Cubs did or what the White Sox are doing. I don't think the Cardinals are there. I think the Cardinals need to unload some of the older players uh, that maybe aren't going to be around uh, when this team actually gets good again. Um, you know, Matt Carpenter is an example of a guy who may be kind of in a decline. He's already 31, I think, has two years left on his deal. That would be a player that I would try and get something for, bring in. You know, he's not a great defensive player, so he doesn't give you a ton of overall value. Um, unload him, I would probably say trade Jet Jerko while his value is still high. Um, you know, I would have moved Lance Lynn at the trade deadline if possible, but that's not really possible now. Uh, I would wait and see how Dexter Fowler rebounds next year and maybe look at dealing him at the trade deadline. And I would try and rebuild around some of the younger players like Colton Wong and Paul DeYoung. And, um, you know, Reyes will be back in the rotation next year. Carlos Martinez is, you know, a top of the rotation pitcher. Um, you know, Michael Waka is a younger player. He's still only 25, but I would consider moving him as well uh, just because of his injury history and, uh, the fact that he's having a healthy and strong season this year, maybe you could bring back a bunch of really good prospects to fill more holes um, on your 2018-2019 roster. So uh, that's what I think I would do if I were them. I would I would just do some kind of short, short-term short moves to unload some of the older players and bring in more youth. Uh, I'm not saying get rid of Yadier Molina or Adam Wainwright, but, uh, you know, some players that might be able to bring in younger players to make you look better, make your outlook better for 2019 and beyond. I think this was the worst year for them to do nothing because you either had to look at it going in that, okay, let's accept that the Cubs, I mean, before the season started, let's accept that the Cubs are going to be really, really good again for one more year. Then they have rotation questions. You never know. So let's punt this season. I know you can't punt in St. Louis. Um, Damn, that's not even a football Yeah, they're not there anymore. They're in L.A. (laughs) Sorry. You're you're a couple years behind on that, Tommy. That's pretty good. Uh, but I know you can't necessarily punt, but realize, okay, this isn't our year. This is the Cubs for one more year. Then 18 and beyond, we want to be there. Or at the deadline when you say, look, we're three out. This might be our, our best chance. Let's go Let's go for it. So I think standing pat for the Cardinals is about as, as bad as you could be. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And, and my plan on retooling for 2019 – uh, that would have been my plan to retool for 2018 had they bought into it last offseason. And it's for all the reasons you just said. Uh, assume that the Cubs will be really good again this year. And, you know, either either go one way or the other. Either really buy in and really improve your team, which they didn't really do, signing just Dexter Fowler and uh, Brett Cecil, uh, or go the other way and start moving some of those players and, you know, they, they have a strong farm system. It's not to say that their farm system isn't good. They have players that I like, like Carson Kelly, and you know, they have Reyes, who's obviously missing the season with Tommy John surgery. But, you know, I, I really like their farm system for a lot of their role players that they're going to get out of it. But they don't have a lot of big stars. They don't have those guys who are in the top ten, you know, your, your Cody Bellingers, your Chris Bryant, those guys who are going to come up and be a superstar for you. And I think that's what they're really missing point you mentioned about not doing anything with the trade deadline, they probably could have put together a deal to bring in Giancarlo Stanton, but you know that didn't happen. So 
in the offseason, they need to fight one way or the other. They either need to go make those big moves and, you know, trade some of their prospects to bring in star players if they can, or they just need to realize that, you know, maybe they need to punt a season in 2018 to guarantee a better 2019 outlook. When you look at Piscotia, I forget who reported that he was in a in talks with for a Sonny Gray deal, was it, mm-hmm. I think? Yeah. Um, and that could have been just throwing names out. Who knows how serious that actually was. But do you, do you look at a, a Piscotty and say, okay, this is a guy that they move because they can get a haul back that makes their window closer? Or is he a guy where you build around? I think you build around. Uh, I don't necessarily buy that this season is who he is. He's been dealing with some injuries. Um, I like Pis- Piscotty as a player. He's a good defensive right fielder. Uh, he gets on base. He has some power, which was one of the questions that they had on him uh, when he first came up to the big leagues. So uh, I would keep him and build around, maybe throw him in either right or left, depending on who you have on the team. He, he can play first base, so if you unload Matt Carpenter, you could probably put him there as well, although that's not the best position for him. Uh, I think that's a player you want to build around. But you know, I think anybody's going to look at what he's done this year and, and think, you know, man, got to get rid of that player but you know this is still a relatively young player that is still kind of figuring things out in the big leagues and progress isn't always linear so uh, I would keep Piscotti as part of the young core for now and uh, try and fill other holes other ways. So it sounds like we'll have a better idea of this in the offseason but where would you say the championship window for the Cardinals begins? Uh, If they don't do anything I don't know. Um, that's difficult to say because, like I said, they don't have a lot of stars in the minors. Uh, if you look at the way the Cubs built, a lot of the star players they got uh, were from big trades like Addison Russell bringing in for just Samarja uh, or Chris Bryant, who they drafted number two overall after they had a, an awful season. Um, the Cardinals aren't doing either of those things. Um, they aren't having an awful season where they're going to end up with one of the top players in the draft. And they're not trading away, you know, really usable assets to bring in, you know, young star minor league prospects. So, as of right now, I, like I said, the arrow is just kind of pointing straight forward. This is about a 500 team, and um, you know, I look at a team like the Marlins, who, um, oh you know, they don't ever they don't ever go out and you know draft a number one team in number one pick, and they don't ever. Uh, make those big trades to unload players, bring in big prospects. They're just always kind of in the middle, right? You know, 75 to 85 wins. Um, that That's kind of how I see them uh, going forward right now. It's just kind of stuck in the middle. I am 100% plugging this as Ryan Davis compared, says the Cardinals are the next Marlins. Done. Uh, I, and I probably messed that up, too. The Marlins probably aren't the right comparison. But no, no. That's going on Twitter. That's the tease for uh, the show. Well, damn it. <laughs> when you look at – so is it fair to say you think Pittsburgh is ahead of St. Louis then in your who's up next? Um, maybe. I mean, it, the, Pits, the Pirates probably have to make some moves too, but I do like their young talent as well. Um, it, it, it's probably just dependent on what kind of moves the Pirates make. But, um, you know, right now I kind of see both teams as in that same vein, sort of. Um, which, which is a difficult spot to be in the big leagues right now. You know, young talent, but just not good enough. 
and not spending the kind of money to bring in those players to fill those other holes. That's kind of where both teams are right now. Would you entertain just one quick one on the Pirates? Where are you going with this? Would you entertain trading uh, Rivero? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the you know, relievers uh, are somewhat volatile. So, yeah, uh, I, would, I would trade Rivero if, uh, if it brings back the right prospects. All right. Last one, Cincinnati Reds. I know there's not a ton to talk about this year. They weren't active at the trade deadline selling, buying anything um, low or anything. I guess – how far away are they? I feel like they think that they're that the pieces are there. They're just not ready yet. Yeah, um, you know, the, I like some of the stuff they've done with their rebuild as well. Um, I, I like some of their young hitters. Uh, Bado obviously is you know coming down out of his prime years, but he's still producing at a top level. Um, you just don't know what the Cincinnati Reds they like you mentioned, they kind of need those players to take that next step before we can reevaluate how they look um, you know, going forward, because a lot of those players are there. But um, yeah, if everything kind of breaks right and some of their you know, players start to figure it out, and you, know, you have guys producing like you know, Shebler and, and all these other guys, if, if you re-sign Zach Kozar for some reason and, and he produces, if Jose Peraza has a great year next year, um, you know, Dilson Herrera and all these other young prospects uh, that you can kind of fill in, in in spots around all these other, you know, core Joey Votto type players. Um, yeah, the Reds could be a good team too. It's it's just there's so much you don't know um, because again, this is a team that doesn't have the Chris Bryant's. They don't have the Addison Russells and uh, Cody Bellinger and all these other you know like elite elite prospects. You call up and know they're going to be a star from day one so um they're they're also just kind of stuck in the middle but i, I would say if there is one team that has the potential uh if you were talking about the cardinals pirates and reds uh for you know 2018 19 and 20 uh to actually jump up and and have a really great year a really great stretch of years it's probably the reds because of all that young talent and because you're building around a guy like joey Votto. 2018 final standings in the NL Central. Go. 2018? Yeah. Why do you do this uh, to the poor man? <laughs> a year away, you're going to have him back on to just... got to ring him out. For All right, go ahead. Mm, well, I'll say the Cubs are number one uh, just because they've been number one uh, for over a year, and, and they're the most proven team in the division. Um, they're the first NL Central World Series champion since 2011. Um, I'll say that the Brewers are number two uh, because they they've you know put put together quite a team and and have rebuilt. Uh, I'll go with the Cardinals number three because I have faith that they'll have figured something out. The Pirates fourth and the Reds fifth, which is pretty much how it stands right now. Exactly how it stands right now. So yeah, man, talk about boring. Yeah, uh, when you're predicting over a year away, that's uh, you know, it's hard to do. What kind of hot but take is I, this? I, I, yeah. That's, that's what I'm known for, my lukewarm take. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. We kept you the full half hour. Appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. All right, anytime, guys. So I think... No, 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 no. You're not getting away with this. What? Ryan Davis, guest of this show, admitted 
your brewer's idea was trash, and what should the brewers go for? What I have been telling you for now three podcast episodes, a young cost control starting pitcher. And on top of all of that, he liked the Pirates. I, I don't know what else to tell you. I'm just going to leave now because somebody else made my case for me. You're going to walk in tomorrow with like an Austin Meadows jersey on. Do you even know who Austin Meadows is? Yeah, center field prospect for the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. You're welcome. Not bad. Well, I'm up to date with my Pittsburgh pro- uh, Pirates prospect. I still like this Verlander idea. Um, it's still possible, too. I mean, it's still it's August. Not, it's not because Detroit. Here, and, here's the thing. And I didn't don't we think say that that was going to be the hurdle? I don't think it's going to happen. I just think it should. There's two different things. I think Detroit won't do it. I think Milwaukee I don't Should. think Milwaukee. I don't think Milwaukee will do it either. I think they agree. I just feel like, look, if you're going to spend money, now's the time to do yeah, it. Yeah, but do you have to spend money? Why not go get a young cost control pitcher, which fits into your window better? You heard the man. He talked about the Brewers' window. It's not in the next two years. It's it's a little bit beyond that. But Verlander doesn't change that. I'm not going to get into this again because I just think that guys like you and Robert Murray just can't get on as high of a wavelength as I'm on. That's all. You going to throw Ryan Davis in there too because he's with us. Yeah, You're three against gets, one. I think he gets it a little bit. It's a lot of money, one. And two, there are better options for the Brewers. Namely, Chris Archer. Which I don't More think the Ra- I don't think the Rays are going to move him. Do you think they are going to move him? Uh, if they make the playoffs or come close, I don't know how they can. Right, because they're how do you sell it to your fan base? Or what fan well, base they uh, have? Yeah. How do you sell it to nobody? I don't know. Yeah. I I really liked what he had to say about the Cardinals. Because I think that's – you've mentioned this too. That they're just kind of in the middle. They just got to make a decision. Right. I think – I mean, the Dexter Fowler move is going to look bad. I don't know that anybody was going to give him that money in that many years. Is it 570? Five, like 85. Yeah, it's not a, that's a lot of money. It's um, not good. So, yeah, I think I would put the Pirates ahead of St. Louis as far as windows go. Um I think it's the, just tough for me to think that the Pirates, because, and this stuck out to, to me when Ryan said it as well, is that they should trade Garrett Cole and Andrew McCutcheon and get back a bunch of prospects. And I was like, well, yeah, that's probably the best interest, but does that give you an opportunity to compete here in 2018? And maybe I think McCutcheon mid- and Cole are two different stories. McCutcheon has one year left, and he's 30-something. Cole has two, three years left. Yeah, so I, so what, you move McCutcheon this offseason, roll with Cole and, and Tyon and, and Glass now and – that's a, that's a solid young rotation. Yeah, if you can. Yeah, I mean, you go with those. And, and McCutcheon, who— Because you're not winning next year. No, but McCutcheon had a, has a, is having a good season, so you're going to be able to get something for him for a team that's going to want an outfielder for one season, right? Instead of spending the money on a, on a Jay Bruce type for multiple seasons, you can trade for McCutcheon for one year, see what happens, and reevaluate. You could probably get something, if you're the Pirates, of value to stock your farm system, a guy that's maybe a little bit closer to the major league level, and have yourself— in a good spot. Josh Bell. What's Josh? What's Jay Bruce going to make this offseason? Well, he's going to get the qualifying offer. So that's going to be $18 million. I, I fully expect the Mets to qualifying offer uh, him. You take that? If I'm Jay Bruce, you might have to because there wasn't a lot of suitors for him at the trade deadline, and I don't know if there's going to be a lot of suitors out there for him in free agency. So I think he runs to the table because he's making 13 and a half this year, or 13, something like that. So it's, it's going to be $18 million next year, the qualifying offer, or this offseason. So I think he, he's going to get it because the Mets are certainly going to want to get something back for him if he does leave. But I think with the uh, with Granderson coming off the books, with the Legat- – Brewers should get Granderson too. What? The Brewers should get Granderson too? What do you just want? That's an expiring contract. That I'm more okay with. Expiring contracts aren't a thing in baseball, by the way. They are. 
not in the same way that the NBA is. Agreed. I saw somebody, and I don't know who it was, and I wouldn't throw them under the bus anyway, but somebody's saying, oh, teams need to go get expiring contracts. I'm like, well, no. No, it's not exactly how it works, but what I meant is if you're the Brewers, you can try to get Granderson, try to help you win now, and then at the end of the year, you don't, you're not committed to that long term. So if you want to bring Granderson back, you can, but if not, you don't have to. And with, with Verlander, you trade for him, you're committing to trying to make that work for two years. And if that's what you want to do and pay that money, then fine, so be it. I don't think it's a good idea. I wouldn't do it. Well, I somebody would tr- give me a meeting with David Stern. Yeah, you, why don't you just you call him up or something? Going to have to. Yeah. Get, where's my... You get your secretary. Where, yeah. yeah. Get your secretary on it. Stern's online one. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. Um, you going to do a better uh, outro this time than last week? Oh, you forgot about that. No, I didn't. No, I probably didn't. not. I think i got to start working on this. Yeah, because this is your show. I just kind of hang out here. so. And talk too much. I talk too much. I, I just try to entertain the people. We'll be back on... Thursday. We're doing it a day early. Thanks for letting me know in advance. Because I am not going to be here Friday, I hope. Um, so Thursday. That's the second time you've said that today. Are you like, is something bad happening to you? Are you forecasting your own death? I don't want, I don't wish Jesus. this upon you. You want to talk about an outro? I know, but the, the, the name of the podcast is Stokey On. There's no Stokey On without Tommy Stokey. Be so. Stokey Out. <laughs> That's what it would be. That should be my clothes out. Should be good. Uh, uh, John, Ryan Seacrest owns it, though. Is uh, John going to be here? Yeah, on well, John on Thursday. Oh, uh, follow me on Twitter, Stokey Tommy. I don't know if Chris uses Twitter. I do. Or not. It's Chris R. Schubert. Thanks. Thanks for the cheap plug. All he does is talk about wrestling. Wrestling, the Mets, sometimes the Cardinals. So you don't want people to follow. Nah, no, they're not. They don't want to follow. All right, get us out of here. All right, see you on Thursday.